Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Janet Denton-Howes, and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may want to pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. Today we're trying something new. I really enjoy doing solo episodes, but I find them really hard. It's really hard to sit and talk for half an hour just to yourself. It's very unnatural. So today I have a good friend, Laura Froyan, Dr. Laura Froyan, who talks to parents about it feels weird saying it when you're looking at me. How about we have you tell people what you talk to parents about? But um, yeah. she's a yes, good friend yeah. and she's here to help me. She's a fellow podcaster, so she knows how difficult this can be. So yeah, Laura, it feels weird just having you pop in without a little <laughs> bit of an introduction. Okay. Well, Jenna, I've been on the show a couple times before, um, but I have my own podcast called um, The Balanced Parent and I help parents families find their way into parenting in alignment with their goals and their values um, with a very compassionate voice. And I I love your podcast, Jenna, and I'm so happy that I can be here to support you in talking about kind of the ideas that have been percolating in your brain recently. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. I was walking in the forest not too long ago, and Sometimes I have the courage to slow down. Sometimes I have the courage to not put in a podcast or music and even sometimes stop on the path and maybe potentially look a little weird to people walking by with their dogs and observe and listen. And I say courage because it does feel courageous. It feels that, like I'm, mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to ask you about. What is, what is courageous about that? Tell me more. It feels like I'm doing something wrong. It feels like I'm going against the grain. I don't see other people doing this. When I'm in the forest, I see people walking their dogs. I see people running uh, horseback riding. Actually on this time, I saw horses. I see people pushing their their um, strollers with their children. I see people talking, so walking together. All of those things have a productive outcome. Mm. I'm getting. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pushing my kid. We're trying to get them to sleep. I'm taking my horse for a ride. I'm walking with a friend. I'm connecting. I'm, I'm running, I'm exercising. Mm -hmm. And this really got me thinking about sex, of course, because <laughs> everything makes you think about sex. <laughs> I never stop thinking about it. <laughs> but how hard that was for me to stop in the middle of the path mm. and look around and hear the birds and observe the beauty and symmetry mm -hmm. in the leaves and the glistening dew and smell the sweet humid scent of the forest mm -hmm. 
and how that is equally hard in this sexual experience. Yeah. Well, what I feel like I want to just pull something out. What I feel like what you're saying is that so often we do things as a means to an end. We go for this one goal in mind versus doing things with the experience being the end in and of itself. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly it. I know so many of the parents that I talk to, um, you know, it's a, it's a, seems like a funny thing to come to a, an expert about, but they talk to me about how much their kids dilly dally and lag behind on walks. And I think it's such a beautiful invitation to experience, you know, when you're going for a walk with a two and a half year old, it takes a long time to get anywhere because they are so in their bodies, in their experience. They're looking at all the little ants. They take a break and build a bridge of grass for the ants to get over a crack. You know, I mean, it's amazing what they see. And we just blow past it because we're going to the park. We have this goal of getting to the park, you know? And anyway, I was just, I was thinking about that. And you're right. That experience does translate into the bedroom too. Yeah, going to the park is getting to the orgasm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever you are deeming or culture is deeming as the end goal. The so end goal, the success, the, the success. Mark. Yeah. The yeah. Okay, we both climaxed. Maybe we had penetrative sex because maybe that's a goal you're working on or something that feels like it makes the experience valid, valid. It, mm -hmm. it makes it productive, that there's something almost to show for it. Yeah. Oh, that word productive. How much do we not do because we feel like we're not being productive? Can you talk a little bit about like what you you're you're shaking your head? What do you mean by productive? How do you feel about that word? Oh, I, I have a very complicated relationship with that word because mm -hmm. I am a very driven person. I like to produce things. I like to see the outcome. And, you know, maybe maybe there's nothing wrong with that in and itself. Mm -mm. But when our worthiness is tied to the mm -hmm. outcome, when women tell me because if you've anyone's been listening to this podcast for any length of time you probably have gotten the memo that i am helping people get to the experience rather than the goal mm -hmm. um but i hear women all the time as we're working and wanting it more in particular because i get to hear their stories more deeply is that they will deem an experience no matter how much i tell them no matter how many hours they they sit and listen to to me no matter how many angles i try to show them this it is it is usually always deemed a success if some goal is met if if genitals had been touched <laughs> if you know the org <laughs> yes. if, you know the, then it's a successful sexual experience and they feel almost a sense of relief like okay i, I mm. did it i got to the finish line and then the ones that are seen as well it was okay maybe deemed a little bit more like a failure it maybe it looked a lot more like non-traditional so mm. maybe genitals weren't touched maybe um Maybe it was a little rocky. Maybe there was some emotion that came into it and or tense conversation or adjustments or 
some interruptions from the kids because mm -hmm. that's not what we're shown as success that's right messy and awkward and you know that's culture is saying that and also very human 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 and gosh like that's what's what got me thinking a lot I, i've been reading the book uh rest is resistance by trisha hersey and she really looks at, well, it's in the title, Rest is Resistance. She's looking at it from um, sort of the history of slavery in America and how black bodies were just worked, just worked and worked as if machines. And that is almost the way our culture looks at our bodies. At women's bodies. At women's bodies is mm -hmm. that we are these, yeah, like these child producing, dinner making, sex having with yeah. with men. We're we need to do right, and what you know if we're failing with quotes air quotes at any of those things it really challenges our worthiness you know i had i had big hopes for natural home births and i ended up with c sections and it took me a lot of therapy to not see myself as a failure because i wasn't able to produce children in the way that i was supposed to that culture told me i was supposed to you know it, it's it's all avenues it's why we take it so personally when our kids don't like our food you know that we've made for them you know it, it's everywhere it's so yeah. much where do we like so where does this obsession with productivity come from it must come from capitalism it must come from this idea that yeah it's sort of the bottom line is matters the most mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that's just one aspect of it, but that's what I've been, that's the, that's the, the, the part I've been thinking about the most, mm -hmm. um, that, that human, and, and maybe it's been watching my husband look at his work as well. And the fact that when you're working full-time hours, when you have two people in the home that are working full-time hours, there's no time to be. There's no time to enjoy. There's no time to look at the sky and just lay on the ground. Well, maybe there is time, but. We don't think there is because those things don't. are not deemed to be productive and thus aren't valuable. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. I mean, yeah. God, I feel like we're a little bit all over the place, but. Um, no, no, no. We're, we're bringing it in. We're it's good. Yeah. We're getting it to a place because I think that. You know, the time you spent on your walk where you really did take that courageous act and you slowed down, what did that make room for when you went back to work or when you rejoined your family? What, how did that help and support you in, in that courageous act of slowing down and being? Gosh, it's, it's hard to put into words. It's definitely like an inner serenity, an inner peace. Uh, ah, because I was in the natural world, just, wow, look at this forest just teeming with life, the river and the vegetation and the variety. It just, just sort of blossomed in front of me. 
-hmm. and how many times I've been in that exact path in my life. So many times I have been walking there and, and missed it. And that is what happened to me in the sexual experience for so many years. I was so focused on trying to get my body to work, work in the way that I thought it should based on what I'd seen in movies and I mean, everywhere, right? Magazines and and Mm -hmm. songs and um, advertisements and yeah. It makes my, it makes me, I feel like the need to pause just for a second and and send a little bit of loving kindness to younger Jana and just be in a moment of grief for all that we're missing out on. So much beauty, so much connection, so much joy, so much awe in all of our lives. You are missing it. And that's devastating. It's really devastating. And in particular, with sex, I just think it's such an intimate experience. And so, so much opportunity for not only connection with our partners, but connection with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we're sort of, yeah, just pushing our body and, and getting frustrated with our bodies and getting upset that we're in our minds all the time. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of women tell me, how do I stop thinking? How do I stop thinking? You know, it, it, it'll be a lifetime of trying to do that because we've been conditioned so much to, to think, to think, to think, to think. So mm-hmm. yeah, like slowing down, feeling the sensations, it's, it reminds me of a quote, you're not a, I think it was Rumi, you're not a drop in the ocean, you're an entire ocean in a drop. Mm. And I just mm. think <laughs> like one minute of intentional sensual experience is like an entire, one could say it's just like a drop. But it can, and I've had experiences where it feels like an entire ocean that I'm experiencing. And people say with special moments like that, time slows down. And it really did. I think I only spent maybe four minutes, three to four minutes standing. Mm -hmm. That was all I could tolerate in the forest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering about... So I think that perhaps for some listeners, the idea of dropping so fully into presence and into being in the midst of a sexual experience with their partner might be pretty intense and intimidating mm-hmm. right at first. What do you think are some ways that a listener could start practicing? And I mean, just like with all, you know, we're talking about mindfulness, right? Mindful presence and awareness. What are some ways that a person could start dipping a toe in this experience in a way that feels really safe to start building that muscle, that capacity. I think it starts outside of the bedroom. 
just like I experience in the forest or spending a minute laying on the grass and staring into the sky or when you're washing your hands, just, just when you finished washing, when you finish the productive part of it, just linger a little bit longer and, and mm -hmm. be there with the warm water, with your hands. Because once you get into the sexual experience, depending on where you are in your journey, that brings up a whole other host of stuff. You've got sort of the expectations from your partner, communication, you have your own maybe um, anxiety, maybe that you've built up in connection with the sexual experience. So practicing it outside, I think is the best first step. But then moving into a sexual experience, like you mentioned safety. And before you can get into any sort of exploration, you need to have safety. And even myself in the forest, because I, I see the forest as a, with a little danger. We do have bears, we have cougars, there is some, there is a little bit of danger in the forest where I live. And there was also the potential for someone to come running around the bend and to find me standing, not doing anything. I didn't have any AirPods in, I wasn't talking to anyone. Um, so I had to create some safety for myself. So I actually did this in a, not on the main path. I went off the main path. I, before I really allowed myself to get into the moment, I did do a scan of my environment. Mm -hmm. I looked around, I looked for wrestling bushes. <laughs> I've never come across a bear or cougar in the forest, but I have a really strong worry about it. Um, so similarly, setting up safety is really the essential first step. And if your husband is willing, I do find, this isn't going to work for everyone, but I do find that touching a part of his body, a very safe part of his body, so like his hand, or his head, I like when my husband has, has uh, just had a haircut, or his feet, or her knee, like something very safe for you. And then being present with that body part for maybe five minutes. You can put on music, you could do it while you're watching TV just to create another layer of safety so it isn't so awkward and silent and you know, ask him not to moan or um, reach out for you and you know, just ask him to lay there like a nice fuzzy blanket and spend some time exploring. Exercises like that have always been interesting for me. Um, you know, I trained as a, um, I took sex therapy classes when I was in grad school. And, um, you know, so there's an approach to sex therapy called sensate focus, you know, which I don't love and I never understood really. Um, and I think you do such a better job of explaining how to be with someone's body parts. Like I really like touching my husband's shoulders. Like there's something about them that feel really comforting and safe. And I really like kind of rubbing them and, you know, and it feels, it doesn't feel sexual, but it feels very intimate. It feels very safe and loving. Um, 
I wouldn't, I'm wondering for someone who's never experienced touch that way with a partner, how can you get that, the bravery or the courage that it would take to do something like that? Like, how can you, how did you pull that within yourself? And, and, you know, because recognizing this is going to take bravery. This is different. This is not what people do. And I'm about to do it. You know what, how, like any tips for people who are wanting to kind of build that up, that inner strength? Oh yeah. I'm really glad you brought up Sensate Focus because that is, uh, makes me want to cringe. Um, <laughs> that's why I, I suggest not having someone touch your body mm-hmm. because you're in a lot more control and a lot more safety when you're doing it to somebody else as long as your partner is willing and, and available to have a safe experience with you. But yeah, that's why I mentioned watching TV or something. Just uh, sometimes it can feel too much to do it so intentionally like that, like mm-hmm. lay on the bed and, <laughs> you know, we're going to do this serious thing. And because then it can, then the anxiety can start again because you can start thinking, I'm not feeling anything. I, I, you know, what if he wants more? Oh my God, he's getting an erection. What am I going to do about that? And, you know, just all that um, anxiety can come up around getting your body to work, making this work. This has to produce something. Yes. It Mm -hmm. takes you out of that being that we're talking about getting into. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know how you said, when I touch my husband's shoulders, it feels warm and comforting. No one can see your face, but I can. And it was like a very relaxed, you were rubbing your own shoulder. It was really wonderful and comforting. And then you said, but it wasn't sexual. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We'll label things mm. as sexual or not. But I would consider that very sexual, what you mm. are doing. Ooh, that's making me feel away, Jana. That's interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. Can you say a little bit more about the way that we, you know, I, I think we're we're noticing right now that the sexual experience isn't always safe. It hasn't always been safe for me. And so, yeah, and putting something that feels good and safe in the sexual box is hard for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. As so many of us as women have been traumatized, whether that it really doesn't matter what we went through. We live in this culture, which is sexually traumatizing for women. It's, it's really hard. And so having your husband wear a shirt, you know, touching him over clothes um, provides another layer of safety. When my husband and I were starting this journey, when I was really getting clear on the safety piece for myself, I would have us uh, fully closed most of our sexual experiences. And that felt good. I liked the feeling of his body warmth under a t-shirt way more than I enjoyed the feeling of sort of clammy skin on my fingertips (laughs) or, you know, the rough bumps that skin has or the hair. I just, I love a good soft cotton (laughs) t-shirt. And there's something about nakedness that is like, all right, it's business time. Time to be productive. Time to be productive. Let's get to those genitals as quickly as possible. Let's make sure that our vulva is tingling and getting wet. And let's make sure that there's erections happening and let's produce and get to the finish line, Mm -hmm. which 
really, when you think about it, what's the point of a sexual experience? What is the point? What of a is sexual... the point? Right? What is the point? No, news. you're supposed to tell us. You're the expert. The <laughs> world tells us that it's a few seconds of, contra- of, of muscle contractions, mm. which, I mean, orgasms are nice and they do fit somewhere, you know, in the whole scheme of things. I think the purpose of a sexual experience is to do what we're talking about to slow down, to be intentional with one another, to experience a special moment of connection, whatever that is. Um, Sometimes, yeah, it does involve more intimate touch, but even then that's sort of a hierarchy, you know, more more intimate, like who says? Who says that's according to who, (laughs) according to who? Yeah. Yeah. I want to leave. I think it's thinking about how you want to feel at the end of a sexual experience. I want to feel like I felt in that forest. I want to feel like I discovered something or I took part in something a little bit magical, a little bit of, again, that, that could put pressure, Mm. but just a little moment where uh, my phone wasn't involved, (laughs) where I wasn't being productive, Mm -hmm. where I, I tapped into, yeah, like a, maybe a a slightly deeper layer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know that we're supposed to be talking about the sexual experience whatever we could talk about anything (laughs) but but no no this has actually been really helpful for me um I'm a I like to paint and it is very hard for me to use my very expensive paints and my very expensive watercolor paper when I'm not making something that will be displayed or you know for just messing around and it totally saps the joy and enjoyment out of it for me you know because I in my mind I'm like I have to make something worthy of being framed I'm not gonna make something worthy of being framed (laughs) you know but it yeah this was this was I've been thinking about that a lot and so it's I think that one of the things you've taught me Jana is that The sexual experience with your partner is no different really than many other areas of our lives where we are taken out of what is true and good for us and made to apply cultural norms. Um, it's, It's no different than parenting, how we see ourselves as women, you know, painting, you know, we just, we do this to ourselves, you know, the, the world does this, we are swimming around in the soup and it's the, it's just that what happens between you and your partner is no different. It's affected and it takes that conscious intentional effort to not effort, but slowing down, dropping in just like you would need to for anything else. That's really important to you. Mm-hmm. And it's risky yeah that's too bad that it has to be so risky yeah it's not our fault Mm. 
if we're feeling terrified, you know, if you're listening to this and thinking, no way, I'm never doing that. I'm going to keep going, going. I mean, not to shade vibrators, but I used a vibrator to, to get to the productive piece of a sexual experience. So, you know, if you're like, I'm sticking with my routine, I'm going to vibrate to orgasm, get it done quick, over with, check it off the list for the week. And that is okay. That is okay. This isn't a, what am I trying to say? This isn't a judgment about what you want to do. This is more of like another, another opportunity that's available. Just get curious. Yeah. Just get curious. It's really scary. You know, I, um, yeah, you're always telling me, Janet, just follow the paths of wanting it more for this issue. <laughs> I love I it. I do always say that. I know. <laughs> I'm so annoying. <laughs> you know, we often talk about eating and, and our relationship with food. And I feel like you're you're telling me, oh, it's it's just the six paths of wanting it more, Jana. <laughs> they do apply to everything. Yeah, I think my, my counselor is picking up on that too now. And she's saying similar things to me as well. And recently, I was just trying to figure out movement, just figure out mm -hmm. how to move my body and what this looks like. And after the pandemic, I am struggling to get back into it, you know, get back to the gym, get back <laughs> to jazzercise, get back to Zumba, get back to a class where I'm going to follow an instructor and I'm going to sweat and I'm going to feel at the end that I did something, mm -hmm. that I followed the rules and I got my heart rate a certain highness and I got some muscle stuff going on. And I, you know, I bought, I, I got the membership, my gym membership again, and I haven't been in two months. And my counselor was like, just, just move your body, just move it. And so I started with more sort of shaking and just sort of wiggling around with some music. And now, Laura, I am full on dancing in my office. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and I am not following any YouTube videos. I'm not doing anything. I'm listening to Celtic rock. I'm listening to <laughs> rap. I'm listening to folk pop. I'm listening to um orchestras i just sort of go into spotify in the morning and type in something that i'm curious about put in my airpods and and dance and and just see where it leads me and and when i want to drink water i drink water when i want to open the window and stick my face out i do when i want to slow down and lay on the floor i do I don't usually have like a set period of time. Nobody knows I'm doing this. I mean, now everyone does know, but I don't think my family even knows that I do this. I'm kind of embarrassed about it. Mm. Really? I'm all I'm feel hearing about it, all I fe feel in my body is admiration. I feel like embarrassed. Hmm. I don't want anyone to open the door suddenly and see me in my pajamas and robe and messy hair. <laughs> I don't, 
Oh, that's another thing. It's interesting. When you're, when you're in your pleasure in the sexual experience, someone's going to see you. It's really hard to be embodied when you have an audience. Really hard. Yeah. Hmm. Well, folks, it's um, nearly impossible <laughs> to be able to do what I'm I mean, I'm it's joking. not, it's not, it's, it's, joking, it just takes practice and courage. Just, we're, I want to validate anyone who's listening, thinking this is so hard. I, I want to say, yes, it is. It's so hard. It's so hard. And it's good too. And it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's so fulfilling and i wouldn't say that all my sexual experiences are like this mm -hmm. not at all some sexual experiences i'm like right okay i kind of want to just have an orgasm and so let's get to the position that works best for us and let's do this sometimes uh things are a bit tense between us so there just isn't that level of vulnerability that i need mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes if I am intentional about it, sometimes I put on music to help a little bit. Sometimes I ask John to close his eyes so that I am not mm -hmm. watched when I'm in my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Keep clothes on, whatever I need. Mm -hmm. And when I give myself whatever I need right in that moment, like if I was in the forest and I was like, oh, Jenna, don't be stupid. Don't look around for bears and cougars. Don't be stupid. Then what would have my experience been like? It could not have possibly been as deep and meaningful because you would have been guarded and yeah. been feeling dismissed and denied. Mm -hmm. And judged by yourself. Yeah, and every little crack, every little sound my heart would shoot through the roof and it's the same as a sexual experience mm -hmm. hmm. i really appreciate this invitation to just look curiously and maybe if it's too scary to look at your sex life take a look at other aspects of your life yeah. you know um if you're really like not looking forward to making dinner for your family tonight. Think about, so what is one way I can make this a good experience for myself, you know, where I can, rather than worrying about the outcome and whether or not the people eat it, because in my family, half the kids, I, nobody's going to eat anything, basically. We, we have a similar <laughs> setup. Um, and my, instead- My husband will forget to eat it. <laughs> If I feed it to one daughter, she'll eat it. And the other one just makes her own meals. Yes. <laughs> I have one kid who won't eat any cooked vegetables and one kid who won't eat any crunchy vegetables. <laughs> anyway, but the experience of the making of the food, you know, can be sensual and pleasurable. You know, the smelling of the spices and, you know, I like, I actually like cooking, even though I don't always feel like I want to cook for my family. I like the experience of it because of the process, the feeling of, of the things and smelling and stuff, but you don't always take the time, you know, when you open up, a, you know, a 
spice jar to actually like take a minute to just smell it before you put it on the food. You know what I mean? This is so fascinating because it's bringing up another thought for me. And all my brain is saying, I'm not good at cooking. I'm not good at cooking. I'm not mm-hmm. good at cooking. It's productivity. That's it. You know, I yeah. I grew up with a mom who would just be able to open the fridge and whip together something really delicious. And yeah, I wasn't ever taught to cook. Um, so I, I, I went into adulthood expecting that I would be good at cooking. We're really talking about sex, everyone. <laughs> like I would be good at cooking. I, that was the expectation. It would just happen naturally. Exactly. I wouldn't have to follow a recipe. I would know what spices go together. I would know how to cook rice. I would know how to boil potatoes. I would know, know what you liked and what your partner liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't. And so I had ang- anxious experiences with cooking because I never went to the basics. I never allowed myself to really learn. And that's what we're talking about. This Mm -hmm. is the the basics. This is the foundation that we should have all started with. Mm -hmm. Stripping it all away and just getting right back to the basics. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, Jana. My idea of a good meal is something that is really simple. Like recently, I've discovered quinoa and canned lentils. Mm, yum. It's it's easy. I put quinoa in the rice cooker, open a can of lentils. Sometimes I'll put kimchi, and it's a weird combination, kimchi and mayo. I don't know why. It's so weird. Don't judge yourself. I know. Thank you. And like green onions and maybe if I have tomatoes. That sounds delicious. I feel embarrassed about it's so interesting. Is it is it normal? What a question to ask, Jana. Do you think it's common to feel embarrassed about things that are deemed a little unusual? I do. I do think it is. I don't. I think we all experience lots of shame. And I think that there is an evolutionary purpose for shame and doing things that are, you know, doing things in the normal way, the, you know, the normal way, the air quote normal way, just because that keeps us as a, you know, a long time ago, we needed to fit in in order to survive. Like it was literally a matter of life and death. And so that kind of embarrassment, that fear of him, they're going to know I'm weird is, is visceral and old, like really old. No one is going to reject you at this point in our society's development because you put kimchi and mayo on your lentils. They might think you're a little like, you know, but like, they're not gonna, you know, it's just, but our, our primal brain doesn't know that, you know, our nervous system doesn't know that. Yeah. Our nervous system thinks, oh God, we're going to be pushed out into the cold and not have any community to care for us and get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. You know, that's what our biology, our neurobiology thinks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm thinking that sexual experience, we have been told very specifically about mm-hmm. what is normal. Yes. What is expected. We know how to kiss the right way. Yes. We know how to touch a penis the right way. Yes. I was going to say we know how to masturbate, but we don't. Women don't know how to masturbate. Women don't because 
But men, mm -hmm. I mean, we all know the hand up and down motion for men to masturbate. I've always wondered about that. Is it just easier for them to figure out or do, are they looking at pornography or is it just, I feel like it's just because it's out there. Like it's just so much more accessible than, than oh, things yeah. are for us, you know? <laughs> like you do, I'm doing it on camera, but you do that hand motion with the fist pumping up and down. Mm -hmm. And that's like a universal sign for yeah. male masturbation. Yeah. Do we have a universal sign for female masturbation? no <laughs> we have a universal sign for sex mm -hmm. which is like i'm oh like a oral sex okay oral sex <laughs> i wish you could see our video. <laughs> but okay, I'm maybe think, you should like, make a reel out of this like you know like is this like what's a dj <laughs> dj we don't no one no. would know what we're doing <laughs> they would think we're spinning records <laughs> spinning record yeah but that yeah and but when you're in your pleasure, you don't look like that. No. You do not. Your positioning is not like what we see in movies. Your mm -hmm. sounds are not what we see. It isn't the like, eh, eh, but this is not what happens. It's usually more like guttural, like lower, more of like a humming or like a breathlessness, but it doesn't. So, yeah. Not I mean, that there's a wrong way. No, no, no. But we definitely have gotten the, all of very clear messages about what the right way is. Mm -hmm. And then if we have this deep shame that I have been experiencing while telling you about my dance, I was going to call it my weird dance, my morning dance, my weird. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then the food that I have prepared, I don't think I've told anyone about what I'm eating because mm -hmm. it just feels weird to me. If we have that fear, of course it's going to translate into the sexual experience. Of course we're going to be terrified of actually dipping our toes into what real pleasure and sensuality could look like for us. And that isn't even taking into consideration things like purity culture and the way we shame kinks, you know, like it's just, it's, I mean, this is just, we're talking about the very tip of the iceberg, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So a lifelong opportunity for learning. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's always more curiosity and self-kindness to go around, right? So, so it's a process that it takes a lot of curiosity, a lot of time. Yeah and a lot of self-kindness. Yeah, and an awareness. Mm -hmm. I have had to get very aware of what I read. So for example, I was reading a while ago, really uh, an author I really like, Diana Richardson. She talks a little bit more sort of Tantra uh, philosophy, mm -hmm. which I like the way she talks about it because it's very accessible. It's basically, what we're talking about today, just slowing down and focusing on your five senses. But towards the end of one of her books, I think it was the one for women, she really started to focus in on the breasts as the center of sexual energy for women. And she just had a lot of talking about the breasts and the breasts and the breasts. And I started to get very um, 
judgy with myself that I don't really feel a lot of pleasure in my breasts. Hmm. And I started to find myself focusing on that a lot in my sexual experience, trying to use my breasts, trying to incorporate my breasts more into the experience. Mm -hmm. And I started to get agitated and frustrated and feeling like I was broken. And so I have to be really cautious with myself, uh, with what I read and watch, even if it's in the realm of like healthy education. Jenna, can I ask you how long you've been working on this? Oh, gosh. It's hard to tell because there, there wasn't really a starting point it, that I can, like, I guess I went through phases. So I went through the first about 10 years of my relationship trying to fix myself. So I was very focused on how do I increase my arousal? So that's usually what people are doing when they're trying to diagnose and treat low libido. Mm -hmm. And then I switched gears around the 10 year mark. And that's when I started to create safety for myself. Okay. So, but this, I, I, what I mean, like, is how long have you been working on accepting yourself, trusting yourself, following your intuition, you know, following your pleasure? How long have you been working on that? Oh, probably um, I started about a year before we found out my husband, I found out my husband had a porn addiction. So I was 13 years married and I've been married 22 years now. Okay. So we're talking almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. It's almost 10 years. Still very present still now. So the reason I'm asking Jenna is I think it's really important for people who are listening, who maybe are working through whim or have been thinking about going through whim to understand that this is not something that you just do and you're done with. No, that you are 10 years into this. You're an expert. This is a process that you've developed and shared with thousands of women and you're still affected by culture. Oh yeah. You still have moments where you have to recenter yourself and come back to yourself and be kind to yourself in the midst of that without being hard on yourself. Yeah, I just think it's so important for that we all understand that this is an ongoing lifelong relationship that we're going to have with ourselves, with our bodies, with our sexuality. Yeah. And that it's a practice. A practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. six paths I teach in, in wanting it more, which, you know, we do cover a bit here in the podcast. They, I call them paths for a reason because, well, maybe because I love nature, um, but we can get off of them mm-hmm. very easily. And then, and then we find our way back and then, and that happens for the rest of our life. I, I don't think I'm ever going to arrive how could I in this current climate of our culture? But circling back to this productivity piece, we want to be done. We want to be done. We want to be done and fixed. Forever. Forever and never have to worry about it again. Yeah. And that, you know, I talk about this with my parenting clients and the people in my membership all the time. Mm -hmm. We're never done. Our kids are never done growing. 
We're never done aging and growing too. We will always be uncovering new layers to learn about ourselves and our families and our, you know, it's just, we're never done. So having this end goal in mind, this finish line, whether it's in one sexual experience in the bedroom or the entire relationship, we're going to get to this point where we're done. It just isn't, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. No, but we're told that it, it is how it works. Yeah, I know. We have this, again, this productivity messaging that tells us just do this and it'll be all better forever. And that's yeah, just, just not just how it is. wake up at five in the morning and have your three hour routine and you'll be productive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it's not. And that can be a little bit of a letdown. It is. It's hard to accept that. Mm-hmm. I have I have struggle with with that. I think about that with difficulties I have with my kids or my partner. And I just ask myself sometimes, when is it just going to be easy? Yeah. And the reality is there will likely always be hard times. Yeah. And it's not it's about how you move through them. Yeah. Not about them not existing. Yeah. Yeah. That whole um, notion of, I think, retirement even, like that's such a strong thing in our culture where you work hard, you work hard, you work hard and you save and and then you hit retirement and that is a time for enjoyment and ease and relaxation. But the truth is, is that most retired people are deeply depressed because they yeah. have no worth and value in our yeah. society anymore. That's exactly it. Because they're not, they're not being the sort of a fountain, you know, I really think that we are meant to serve, we are meant to Mm -hmm. learn, we are meant to grow, we're meant to have a flow going through us. And, um, but we are, there is this sort of happiness just out of our reach. Uh, The the enough money, the the health, the the whatever it is. And so we're, we just want to get there. And, um, yeah, I don't. I just don't think this is what grow. What our life is about. I think our our life is about growth and learning. And that's what I'm always telling my wanting up more participants. I I tell them to ask two questions at the end of their sexual experience, and that is, what do I need? Because that's just practical. And what did I learn? Mm-hmm. And so every sexual experience is simply an opportunity to learn. There's no success or failure. It's just, oh, I, I learned today that I really enjoy, um, you know, banjo music <laughs> during my sexual experience or, 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 you know, Friday nights aren't a good time for me. Mm-hmm. Or I, I learned that when we have, we're interrupted by the kids, it's best if my husband gets up and, and tends to them. Mm-hmm. And that may or may not um, be true in the future for you. You may learn something new or different circumstances, but in that sense, um, it's a never ending process of discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I, that seems very beautiful to me. Yeah. And exciting. Exciting. Yeah. It feels very, when I think about life this way, that I always get to learn, I always get to be discovering. Yeah. I, it feels very exciting. It feels so exciting. I feel so excited. <laughs> Yeah, I sometimes I laugh at that term spice it up. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's it's so external. Like I need to bring in something 
external and bring it into the sexual experience and now it's going to spice it up like we need to bring in kink or we need to bring in again no judgment but I, I, this is just the way our culture like we need to bring in porn we need to bring in vibrators we need to bring in lingerie whatever mm -hmm. it is tingling gel and i just think you don't need any of that like you have right we just have the we have it right here there's so much spice to be had right here yes yeah because you are an entire ocean in a drop one little drop has an entire ocean an mm -hmm. entire a lifetime of learning and opportunity you know when women are first starting out with this process um it makes sense they ask me yeah but what am i supposed to do like, give me suggestions give me a list give me the 101 sex positions that i'm used to seeing <laughs> and I know it frustrates them, but I, I just keep on leaning into you have a body. Your body has five senses. That is the building block right there. Mm -hmm. Just try one scent, you know, sense. Smell your husband's neck or um, <laughs> armpit. You always say armpit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to appear weird, Laura. <laughs> I'm not trying to shame you. I like your, I like your weirdness. <laughs> Should we wrap this up? I feel like yeah. we've... I think we're, I think we're at a good place. <laughs> we're at a good place. Well, thank you. I, I was saying to Laura, like, oh, just half an hour, 40 minutes. And we went the full hour. I love that. <laughs> um, we love to talk. And this was so great. Thank you for, I know you've taken time out of your schedule. And I, I really, really appreciate it because not only i feel like we just got to so many more beautiful um i was gonna say tangents but they weren't tangents at all like little little nuggets uh that i i just wouldn't have been able to get to if i was sitting here talking to myself so thank you oh thanks for having me it was fun to chat with you yes and i'm sure a lot of you have fallen in love with laura just like i have and so your podcast is called the ba balanced parent podcast yeah yeah the balanced parent yep you can find that on spotify apple Podcasts, google Anywhere. her <laughs> yeah she, i'm she sorry is, i'm terrible at self-promotion she but is yes, on the internet people <laughs> <laughs> And she is, she is great. And Laura, you've helped me so much. I can't even express with my own parenting journey. And um, every time I ask you a question, I just feel like a huge weight has been lifted off of my Aww. shoulders. Oh, thank you. Aw, Gianna. You've helped me a lot too. I feel very grateful for you. Ah, oh, here's the good friendships. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. I really do hope that you got some something out of it um, that you can walk away from this conversation with just you know one or two phrases just circling about in your mind and don't worry about being productive with this episode don't worry about going and doing any of the things that have been suggested just let it let it settle and mull about all right i will talk to you in the next one bye for now if you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. 
It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janadentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the wait list, to learn more, to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.